One of the key themes James addresses in his letters is relationships. He wrote about ears, mouth, and emotions. Today, we'll be focusing on ears and mouth. This message is the sixth in the series, Real Deal Faith. The message is entitled, Improving Your Relationships. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets. We're continuing our series together entitled Real Deal Faith. And this morning I want to talk about something that can apply, I'm sure, to every person here. How to improve the relationships in your life. We're looking at the book of James this summer, and we're doing a topical study of the book of James, and just actually going through this, these five chapters of the book and pulling out very significant topics that he addresses repeatedly throughout the book, and one of those topics is the topic of relationships. James uh, is the first letter of the New Testament, the first book that was written uh, that was included in the canon of scriptures, James being the younger brother, half-brother of Jesus, and of course coming to faith in Christ after Jesus' resurrection. And uh, we see that James has a unique insight into how to live the practical Christian life. He gives us very clear and distinct instructions. He goes right to the heart of the matter and helps us to understand how we are to live. And one of the things that James talks about uh, in his letter is he talks about relationships. Because obviously relationships are a key part of life. In fact, Jesus came for the purpose of improving relationships. That's the major reason why Jesus came. Because Jesus did not come to start a religion, contrary to a lot of popular opinion, Jesus was not a religion former. Jesus came to show us how to have, first of all, a relationship with God. How we can actually relate to God as our Father and have interaction with Him and know that He's at work in our lives. So it's not, Christianity is not about just doing something in form or ritual. It's about a relationship with a God that loves us and Jesus is the way to that relationship. And so Jesus came to teach us about a relationship with God, but also a relationship, how to improve our relationships with one another. If you're growing as a Christian, one of the, out, one of the outworkings of growing as a Christian is your relationships with people around you should be better because Jesus said, if you love me, then you also need to love one another. That's the beautiful thing about the cross. The cross reconciles us vertically to God and reconciles us horizontally to one another. I've seen it time and time again. People that could not get along outside of Jesus when they met Jesus became fast friends. Why? Because Jesus brings people together. Jesus unites people. And James, in this letter, addresses some specific things that relate to our relationships. He talks to us about three aspects of things that we can do to improve the relationships of our lives. He talks to us about our ears, what we hear, our mouth, what we say, our emotions, what we feel. He addresses all three of those things. Think about them, what you hear, what you say, and how you feel. Would you agree with me that those three things, if you could improve what you hear, what you say, and how you feel, all the relationships of your life would get a little bit better, amen? And so James says, I want to teach you how to work on how you listen, how you speak, and how you handle the emotions of your life. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice he's talked about the ears, the mouth, and the emotions, anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. 
This weekend, I'm going to focus in on two of these three. I want to talk to you about your ears and your mouth. We'll save the emotions for another message. And so for the next few moments, I'm basically going to share with you two primary themes, two primary points of emphasis from James' letter inspired by the Holy Spirit that can make your relationships better. The first one, if you're going to improve the relationships of your life, James teaches us that we must discipline our ears. We must bring some discipline to our ears. The word discipline just simply means that you take control of and you Learn to do the right things with something that will produce help. If you talk about disciplining your body, you're talking about putting the habits into your life that will make you healthier. If you're talking about discipline in your academics, it means that you're setting up study skills so that you can gain greater academic understanding and, and master your subject matter. And so when I talk about the discipline of your ears, I'm talking about setting some habits in place so that you will hear much better than you're hearing right now. Not just physical hearing, but connecting with other people. Because a major part of relationships involves your connection with people. and You cannot connect if you're not listening. Amen? Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you just to take a moment and focus on your face. And I want you to count with me how many ears you have. How many? Not rocket science. Everybody here has two ears and one mouth. So God in His unique design of humanity and His creation of us as human beings, even biologically, sent us a message. The message is you need to listen twice as much as you speak. You have two ears and one mouth, and He's teaching us the principle of disciplining our ears because the better you hear in relationships, the more effective your relationship will be. And let me give you three words that are key to handling your ears or disciplining your ears the right way. These are not on your notes, but you may want to find a place to write them down. Number one, you have to be attentive. You can't listen. You can't hear someone else unless you are paying attention to them. Now, to pay attention, that phrase alone, implies something and implies an investment. Pay attention. There's a cost involved in listening because listening is not just hearing words. It is hearing more than words. It is being present with a person so that you can take in the information they're sharing in a way that is meaningful and accurate. How many of you have ever listened to someone before and went away with the wrong message because you did not really listen to what was really being said? You heard words, but you did not really hear what was being said. Sometimes our words can be deceptive, not necessarily purposefully deceptive, but just deceptive in the way that we communicate. For example, as anyone, when you've asked them, how are, your, how are you doing? They'll say, I'm fine. And you know when they say, I'm fine, what they mean is, I'm not fine. But the I'm fine can be, I'm fine, or I'm fine. And the difference is in listening to the emotion behind the statement, getting something that goes beyond just the surface level, and you can't grasp that without paying attention, attending well, listening for what's being said in the message. The second word I'll give you that will help you to discipline your ears more effectively is by being encouraging as you listen. Encouraging people to share what's really going on in their lives as you're having a conversation with them. Encouraging really means this. It means that you're not in a hurry to get the floor yourself. 
Most of the times when we're listening to another person, we're really not listening. What we're doing is hoping that they will soon get through with whatever it is they're saying so that we can say whatever it is that we want to say. And we have this sort of timer in our mind clicking away that says, okay, you've gone so many seconds or so many minutes now, when will it be my turn? When do I get to say what I want to say? But something happens when you move out of the mode of being able to to actually think about what you want to say and to actually encourage them to continue to communicate to you. For example, you can say something like this. Can you tell me more about that? I want to understand. What did you mean by this? Now, some of you wives here today, you would have a heart attack if your husband ever said that to you, right? Can you tell me more? That's encouraging the communication instead of jumping in and saying, I want to say what I want to say. You're actually trying your best to understand. Can you tell me more? And by the way, there's not anyone that's here today, myself included, that is perfect in this. We're growing in this. We're learning how to do this as a part of our spiritual growth. And this is spirituality, by the way. Don't think that this is just relationship. This is about Jesus. Amen? This is about growing your relationship with Jesus, learning how to listen. So you are attentive, you're encouraging. And then there's another word that really kind of is a little bit different than what I'm talking about. That's the, also the word of guarded, that you guard your ears. You know, there's sometimes there are things that you should never even hear with your ears. Times that you should walk away from a conversation. Why? Because that conversation is not something that you need to be a part of. You don't need to hear the latest dirty joke at work, do you? You don't need to hear the latest gossip that somebody's sharing about someone else. And one of the most freeing things that I learned in my life many years ago is that I have the, if you will, the right, I have the privilege, I have even the responsibility when something's being communicated that I don't want my ears to hear that I can actually excuse myself from a conversation. It was very freeing for me to know that I could say to someone, you know what, I'm going to just excuse myself. I really don't want to be a part. I can do it nice but I can step away so that I'm not hearing things that I should hear. Why? Because your ears are a gate into your soul. So whatever you take into your ears will find their way into your heart. You can start feeling wrong things about another person just because of what somebody said to you about them that may not even be accurate. And so you're in a conversation, and so you are learning how to guard yourself from things that you need not take in. Make some decisions about what you will listen to and what you will not listen to. And so James says you need to be quick to listen. Understand the principle of disciplining your ears. Don't just let your ears listen any old way, but begin to bring some structure and right habits to the way that you listen. The second thing that James teaches us here is about our mouth. And so the second principle, you discipline your ears and you manage your mouth, okay? Would you say those two things with me? You discipline your ears and you manage your mouth. Let's try it again, all the campuses. Here we go. You discipline your ears and you manage your mouth. To manage your mouth means that you accept the responsibility, the stewardship that God has given you over the words that you speak. And James is very, very clear about this. Let me read to you several passages from the book of James that describe this management of the mouth. Listen closely. James 1, 19 and 20 once again. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So there's one instruction. Go to chapter, chapter 1, verse 26. 
He continues the theme. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worth it. If you think you're really spiritual, but you blab all the time and blab the wrong things all the time and you don't manage your mouth, then your spirituality has no real validity to it in terms of its impact upon others. Let's go to chapter 3 of James, beginning in verse number 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Just stop there for a moment. Think about how little your tongue is. Very small in reference to other parts of your body. Very small little organ. But that little organ has gotten you into more trouble than probably anything else in your body. Okay, Little bitty part. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of, of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I want you to notice all these negative things that James connects with the tongue. He says the tongue can be boastful. It boasts great things. He says it can be fiery. Have you noticed that? That your tongue can just light a fire. It can be fiery. It can can actually create all kind of, if you will, explosions around you. It is evil. The Bible says it has this evil capacity. It is corrupt. It is corrupting. It affects those around us in a corrupting way. The scripture says it's hellish. That in fact, many times the devil, all he has to do to mess up your life in some way is get access to your tongue. If he can get access to the words you speak, he can create all kind of havoc around you. It is rebellious. The tongue is a very rebellious thing. And in fact, the scripture says, has not, it's very difficult to tame. Only God really can tame your tongue. It is restless. That means it's unstable. It's unsettled. It is venomous. It's like the poison of a snake. It is dishonoring, James says. It is hypocritical. It presents itself one way way when in reality it's something else. It praises God and curses men at the same time. It is deadly. It creates death. The scripture says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It is slanderous. It puts other people down and destroys the reputation of people around us. All of these are negative aspects of what can happen with your words. And if I had time this weekend, I would talk more in depth about them and I would encourage you to go back and look at those words and to think about the impact, the negative impact of the words that we speak. But how I want to spend the latter part of my message is teaching us five things about how to manage your mouth. How do you stay away from those things I just mentioned and how do we actually manage our mouth the right way? Anybody here 
this weekend and any of our campuses that would say, I need to learn how to manage my mouth a bit better. Amen? I think that's, if you're not raising your hand, you are probably needing in need of deliverance of another problem that's called lying, okay? So, and to manage our mouth well. So let me give you five things to do. Please pay close attention to these five things. This will change your life. This will change your life. Number one, be quiet. That's how you manage your mouth. You just make the choice to be quiet. Don't, don't, don't be a talker. Because I promise you something, the more you talk, the more chance there will be that you will sin with the words that you speak. That's what the scripture says. Read with me Proverbs 10 verse 19. Let's all read together loud and loudly. All of our campuses, here we go. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Anybody want to add an amen to that one right there? Turn to your neighbor and tell them that verse is for you. Go ahead and tell them that verse is for you, right? Proverbs 13, 3. Read, read with me. Here we go. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Boy, how true that is. Just sometimes all you need to do to ruin something is just to open your mouth. Just something comes out that should not come out. The second thing is you need to know when to shut up. First of all, you just be quiet. And then second of all, if you are talking, know when to shut up. Let me show you why this is important. What, what, what I'm saying here and what James is teaching us is this. He's teaching us that we need to develop what we might call an internal governor in us. That when we get involved in a conversation that we know, we kind of have a sense, we have an awareness, a self-awareness, a God-awareness, a Scripture-awareness of when we're moving beyond what is appropriate in the way that we're communicating, what we're communicating and how we're communicating it so we put a stop to it before it goes too far. All of us have had those moments when something has come out of our mouth and then we said, I sh in our mind, we think, I should not have said that, right? You had those moments before? Anybody with me on that? And as soon as it's out, you're like, oh, I should not have said that. I had one of those moments this week, this past Friday. My wife and I were having a conversation about something. And uh, as we were communicating together, I said something that I should not have said. I didn't curse her. I didn't uh, condemn her. I didn't, I, it was just something that I didn't need to say. And after I said it, immediately when I said it, as much as I wanted to justify myself for saying it, I realized that I should have kept my mouth shut. Because those words came out, and as soon as they came out, came out I knew something. I knew in my heart that I'd sent a little arrow into her soul. That nothing good was going to come from that comment that I made. The only good thing that came from it is I got to practice my apologetic skills, okay? So I have the opportunity to go and apologize to her for what I'd said. But the reality is, is all of us have those moments in life when something comes out that we really wish we could pull back in. How much better would it be if we stop it before it actually gets through the gate of our lips? And so you need to know just simply when to be quiet, when to shut up. Proverbs 17, verse 28, read it together with me. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he keeps, holds his tongue or keeps his tongue, one translation says. You know what? Just walk around, be a little more quiet. People will think you're brilliant. If you want people to really think you're smart, just keep your mouth shut sometimes because as soon as you open your mouth, it's all done. So know when to shut up. Number three, think. 
before you speak. Your mother told you this, right? Now your pastor is reminding you of it. Think before you speak. That goes with the one we just mentioned, know when to shut up. But you need to think about what you're going to say before you say it, especially in significant conversations that you're having. Put some thought into it. Read Proverbs 29, verse 20 with me. Let's read together. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So again, it's the speaking in haste. And so I thought I would help you. This is not original to me, what I'm about to give you right now, but uh, it is, it's been helpful to me in, in my journey and continues to be helpful to me in my journey is to learn what it means to think before you speak. What does that mean? And so I've got a little acronym here uh, we're going to put on the screen. These are not on your notes, but you may want to find some white space or a little other piece of paper to write this down. And here, here if you will, five things that will be a filter for you that will help you to think about what you say before you say it. The T stands for asking yourself the question before you say it, is it true? Before I make this statement, I've got to make sure that I'm not passing on information that's not even accurate, right? Because when you pass on things that are not true, First of all, you're deceiving other people. And second of all, you actually are hurting other people. I'm sure there are people here today, you've had people say things to other people about you that were not things that were not even true. And it hurt your reputation with them in some way. And so the first thing before I say something, before I tell something about somebody else or I communicate something about a situation, I've got to ask myself the question, and what I'm about to say, is it true? I want to tell the truth. Why? Because our God is the God of truth. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is Satan? Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And so if we want to be on the right side of a conversation, when I think about what I'm going to say, I've got to say, is what I'm about to say, is it true? Do I know it to be the truth? And so that would solve a lot of our problems right now, right there, simply asking that question. Then the second question, the H, is it Help me out here. Is it helpful? Is it true? And then is it? It's what I'm about to say. Is it going to help anything here? A lot of times what we think will help actually hurts. And so you need to stop for a moment and say, am I going to add to value to this situation? Or am I going to detract from it? What will my words, what will be the impact of my words? Will they be helpful to this person? Helpful to this situation? helpful in this environment. And so number one, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Well, I actually breathe life. That's what the word inspired means. It means uh, it, when we talk about the scriptures being inspired of God, it means they're God breathed. God breathed his life into them. And so words that are inspiring are words that breathe life into people, not death. That's why the scripture says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And so when you speak, you want to put life into folks. Have you ever been around a person before that as soon as they started talking, it just like killed you on the inside? It's like you just want to go bury yourself somewhere. Because you just, it's, like, it's like, this is horrible. I can't take this kind of conversation because they're negative. They're just down about everything or they're attacking people or they're gossiping about something. It's just the kind of thing that has no inspiration value to it at all. And there's no reason for us to communicate that way as Christian believers. God says that we're to communicate in a different manner. And so is it T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it 
inspiring in, is it necessary? You know about three quarters of what you say is not even necessary? You say stuff that's not necessary at all. You're speaking things into situations that you look back later, it had no impact anyway, and so all you were doing were bumping your gums, moving your mouth, saying stuff that made, made, had no value whatsoever, so it wasn't necessary. And so a lot of our problem is because we are speaking things that have no real value to them, no, ne- no necessity to them. And K, is it kind? Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? You know, you can... You can say, you can find something that's true, something that might be helpful, something that has inspirational value to it, something that may even be necessary, but if it's not spoken in a kind way, is it going to be properly received? No. We know it's a lot easier to catch flies with honey than it is with vinegar, right? It's a lot easier to make medicine go down with honey than it is with something that is sour or bitter. And so even when you're having the challenging conversations with someone, what you want to do is make sure that you, you cloak it with a, spirit of, with a spirit of kindness because that spirit is what makes the difference. And again, as I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect at this, at this and neither are you, but we're all needing to grow in these realms of our life. That's why James said you need to be careful how you, how you speak. Manage your mouth well. And so let's review it again. But think before you speak. T is to ask yourself, is it true? Before I say this, is it true? H, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? That's what I'm about to say. Am I going to say it in a kind way? And so it's a good filter to use in the conversations you have with other people. The next thing on our notes here is that when you're trying to manage your mouth, you need to pray for God's help. God can help you change the way you speak. Did you know that? God can change the speech patterns of your life. Do you know that when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, you can read about this in Acts chapter 2, one of the things the Holy Spirit went to work on was the tongues of people. That's why they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the power to do so. In other words, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit really gets a hold of your life, it changes how you speak. It changes your tongue. It changes your communication patterns. And, of course, that's a growing process, but it's something you need to ask God to help you with in your life because if you'll improve the way you communicate, it will improve everything around you. David prayed this prayer in Psalm chapter 19, one of the most beautiful psalms you'll ever read. He's talked about the law of the Lord being perfect, converting the soul, all these wonderful things about God's law. And then he wraps up with this prayer. This is a prayer of David, I would suggest, or submit to you that it may be a wonderful prayer for you to pray every day of your life. Why don't you read it together with me? Verse number 14, Psalm 19. Here we go. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David said, God, I'm asking you this every day of my life, that the words of my mouth, what I say, and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Now let me show you something here. What goes on in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. That's why David linked those two things. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so whatever you let be in your heart, whatever you meditate upon in your heart, I promise you will eventually come out of your mouth. If you want to know the condition of your heart, listen to the words of your mouth. 
And David said, God, there's this connection between what goes on in my heart and what comes out of my mouth. And I'm praying, God, that you will help me in both of those areas. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock, my strength, my redeemer. Again, I would suggest to you, that's a good prayer to pray every morning before you begin your day and to keep it before you as you go through your day. And then the fifth thing today is decide to always build rather than to destroy, to make a decision that you want to be a builder rather than a destroyer. One of the words for Satan in the Bible is he is the great destroyer. And when you destroy, you're actually doing the work of Satan. When you build, you're doing the work of God. And so with our words, we either tear down or we build up. With our words, as I mentioned a moment ago, as the, as the proverb writer said, we either create life or we deal death. Power of life and death in the tongue. And so you want to make a decision to build rather than destroy. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. Why don't you just listen to this one as I read it for you and pay close attention. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, what's the word there? Building. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If I had more time this weekend, I would talk about the connection between verse 30 and verse 29. But there's a very clear connection in how the Holy Spirit operates in your life and the words that you speak. And so if you want to have more of the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you need to guard your mouth because the Bible says that by, by reason of speaking unwholesome words, you can actually grieve the Spirit of God. We certainly don't want to do that. And so make sure that what you speak is for the purpose of building other people up based upon not your need, but based upon their need. Second Peter 2 verse 1, so get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, that's lying, untruth, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. James, the wonderful writer, inspired writer brings home to us something that all of us need to remember for real deal faith. Real deal faith means that we live it out in a real way every day of our lives. And he says, if you want to live out your faith, make sure that you discipline your ears and you manage your mouth. Say it again with me. You discipline your ears and you manage your your mouth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word. We're so grateful that you've spoken to us today. We ask you'll take this truth from scripture. And Lord, we do pray for help in living it out. And we pray the prayer that that David the psalmist prayed, Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. 
All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.